Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of Burly Love in the District. Tristan here, along with Jacob, and Jacob's going to go ahead and tell you guys what we're going to get into. Yeah, so this week we're going to be discussing some big news in the NFL regarding some quarterbacks, as well as everyone's favorite owner. Going on into hockey, the season is finally ramping up, and the playoff standings are starting to be finalized when you talk about where we stand in that. And then finally, it is the start of baseball season, so we're going to be talking about how each of our teams teams have started so let's get right into it yeah so obviously first off just to start there was a bit of a hiatus here we did have a little bit of technical troubles over the past couple of weeks trying something new out trying different mics out trying to make it sound a little bit better but hopefully this does sound better to begin with um, so just to hop right into it we're gonna start off Eagles did make a couple other signings between now and the last time we talked. Like I said, it has been a while, so nothing too major, though. Just a couple extra signings to kind of get depth on the team. So to start out, they signed safety Justin Evans, who used to be on the Bucks, played on the Saints last year, and there was a two-year break that he took because of injuries. He tore his... Achilles and that leaves me a little worrisome just because of the fact that he's right now looking to be our starting safety and that makes me a little bit scared but something that I've kind of learned as an Eagles fan is that you kind of got to give Howie patience. Howie always comes out finds a way to make something work. CJGJ wasn't acquired until after the draft last season. LeGarrette Blunt was signed after the draft. They, he just makes a ton of signings after the draft that make the team a lot better. So even looking at the team right now is not the best way to look at the team and think that it's done because Howie's never done. They also signed Terrell Edmonds, another guy who's nothing amazing. He's no CJGJ, but another guy just to at least field a team. Uh, he won't be a complete liability the entire time. They signed linebacker Nick Morrow, who's another one of their one-year linebacker signings. He's going to be lining up across from N'Kobe Dean right now. Another smaller guy, maybe a little bit better pass coverage. Uh, haven't heard much about him. He's not your household linebacker name, not going to do anything crazy. But again, just to help feel the team. One of the more controversial signings that I did actually want to talk to you a little bit about was Marcus Mariota. Because I remember when you saw that Mariota signed with the Eagles, you guys were like, oh, Chip Kelly finally got his wish. Mariota's finally coming to the Eagles. And it, the way I look at it, I think Mariota is a smart signing just because of the way that the Eagles run their offense and how he actually can run the ball. He never... He didn't throw great, that's for sure, but, I mean, he can actually run Jalen Hurts' offense that they want him to run, unlike Gardner Minshew could. Yeah, I think it's a smart signing. He's a good backup, nothing more than that. And If something dramatic were to happen, say a Jalen Hurts injury where he's out for multiple weeks, he would be able to go into that offense without a lot of adjustment by the coaching staff. He's a very similar player. In the terms of they both have legs, um, and you can kind of shape the offense a similar around them. So I think it's a smart signing. I mean, you hope he doesn't have to get any playing time because you obviously want Jalen Hurts to play all the games. But if something were to happen, there are worse guys to plug into that offense and basically to say, hey, hold the line for now. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. When Gardner Minshew had to play, he did play great, but... Having Mariota in there is a way better option because when Minshew was in, he took the quarterback running game was taken away. The Anyone could just key in they knew. I mean, Micah Parsons, the biggest thing between the first Cowboys game and the second Cowboys game was Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons in the first game was shut down. They used him as the read option guy. Wherever he went, they went the complete opposite way, and it worked out amazing for them. In the second game, 
Gardner Minshew had to start, and he could just crash down on the running back every single time because there was there was no Gardner Minshew running. He's not a scrambling quarterback. So bringing Mariota in, he fits well to the scheme. He's not, you know, a great quarterback. He's no Jalen Hurts, and like you said, you hope he doesn't have to play, but under a unfortunate circumstance where he might have to, it does keep that quarterback running aspect in the game, which is huge. Uh, they also they let CJGJ go, which when he let he got let go, he went to the Lions. And I don't know about you personally. I know you like to tease me about the fact that I've been riding with the Lions for so long, but the Lions do look like a good team. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're to make the playoffs this year, and CJGJ just adds to that. And if they're able to have a good draft class, then I could definitely see them competing for a playoff spot. Now, this might be a little bit jumping ahead, but I think depending on the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, which I do want to touch on a little bit later. And how Jordan Love plays. Now, Jordan Love did look good last year in the couple snaps that he did play. The second half against the Eagles that he played, he looked really good. But the Lions are all meshing together. I believe they could win the NFC North. Yeah, I I can see that because I'm not sure there's a lot of real competition in that division, especially with the overall and Aaron Rodgers most likely leaving. Even if he isn't traded, I don't think he's really going to play. I can see them him sitting out until something can be worked out. So I don't think that's too far out of the conversation. It's not too outlandish to say. And I also don't think the Vikings are... The Vikings went on a record season last year, not because they went 13-4, and but because... Out of those 13 wins, I believe 10 of them were by a single possession. They they won at least seven of those off of game-winning field goals. Yeah, if I remember correctly, that game against the Commanders, it was the Commanders really lost that game more than the Vikings won that game. So, And I feel like that's what happened with a lot of the games they played. And they just lost Adam Thielen, so that's a big loss for their team. So... And I've always been kind of suspect of their defense, and unless they're able to do something about that, I I can see the Lions overtaking them in that number one position. I will say, I do think K.J. Osborne will step up a lot this season. It, for anyone who plays fantasy anywhere, don't take K.J. Osborne on me. But <laughs> K.J. Osborne looks like he's going to be the number two guy. He had... 150 yards against the Colts last year in the 33 nothing comeback game. So he's he's due to have a breakout season. I'm only good at one thing in fantasy, and it's drafting rookie running backs. I drafted Jonathan Taylor his rookie year and Brees Hall this year. He was doing amazing before he got hurt, but... But, yeah, I'm, that's the only thing I'm good at. I believe I was ninth in our league this year. Um, I don't remember the exact standings. All I know is the three years that we've been doing it, I've finished 8th, ninth, and 10th, or 7th, and last. I've been horrible. I believe I was the runner-up this past season. I think I lost in the championship. Yeah, I, I've never made, a, made the playoffs. That Yeah, that's not good for you. Uh, and then, obviously, Darius Slay extended, and Lane Johnson also extended. Now, the thing with Lane Johnson is he was he was coming up on the end of his career. There were talks about having to draft his predecessor coming up in the next couple of seasons, uh, potentially this season. And now he extends, so he's got one more extra year added on to his contract. He is getting old, though. I could see them drafting someone later now. I thought they might take his replacement early with the 10 pick this year but with that change i believe that they might hold off now but he restructures his contract and he's now staying an extra year and then that really ends it with oh and then just recently just last again just a depth signing nothing too big but the eagles signed d tackle Kentavious Street from the Saints 
I don't know much about him. He had three and a half sacks last year. Just a depth guy, nothing too great. He's definitely no Javon Hargrave, but he it did look from what I saw like he's kind of a D-tackle to get upfield and try to make interruptions in the backfield. So he also signs with the Eagles. Now going on to a couple more NFL-relevant things total. Let's start off with the Commanders. Recently, last week recently, someone put in a bid, and from what I heard, it was actually at least three people, maybe even four, put in bids on the Commanders that actually met Dan Snyder's expectations and that he might actually sell the team here soon. Yeah, and it was, I don't remember when specifically, but it was reported that they cleared cleared out the team's facilities and many believed that was a sign for a possible sale. Um, I believe it was, I believe a $6 billion deal was put in. I I believe, I'm trying to find the name of the guy, but it was Jason something, um, but yeah, it was a yeah, trouble there, but yeah, I can't remember the guy's name. I know. Josh Harris. Josh Harris is the guy who put in the bid, and if, if many people have heard that Magic Johnson's in on that group, as well as possibly RG3, I know RG3 tweeted out that he had a conversation with Josh Harris about a possible bid, and the other potential bid is Jeff Bezos, so that is an incredible step in the right direction, and it's looking like the sale is very close. I mean, I don't know when it's going to be finalized, but I just think there's a few more details that need to be ironed out. Um, I think mainly with the owners and just figuring out all the uh, economics of it, but it's a very good, very good um, step in the right direction. Once it happens, I think this team is going to get a real shot in the butt, and I think we can finally put all this behind us, and I think we can become serious contenders again because we won't have this cloud that's been looming over us. We won't have that there. We we can finally move on from it, and I think you'll see a dramatic improvement in how the fans feel about the team, how the team interacts with the fans, and the, just the entire feeling around the organization, because there's still, like, fanatic fans that are Washington. They want something to be able to cheer. If Look at DC Defender game. That should prove that there's still fanatic fans in the area. It's just that the Schneiders have really eroded them, eroded them down, and they need something to believe in again. So this is a big, big step in the right direction, and it's looking like it's going to happen. But I'm not, I'm not counting my chickens till the eggs hatch. Now, for one, the defenders are also undefeated. We actually lost last night. Oh, I. It was 36 to 37. I wanted it to be an April Fool's joke. I haven't really been paying attention to the XFL because something about the XFL that I've noticed I have trouble with is the the competition. Like, the players just aren't as good. It's a little hard for someone who does watch the NFL consistently like me to get into that I find that a little hard for me. But... I was I did see that the defenders were undefeated up until yesterday. Uh but hey, I mean in the defenders fans defense, there really is no change in the level of talent between Washington and the defenders. Well you're talking about the level of talent not being as high in the XFL. You should be used to that. You watch Penn State game. Yeah, well Penn State was in a top ten did finish top ten this year, so and last year, I believe they were number twelve, and the year before that, they were also top ten. So what you do? Hey, I'm just saying you're trying to. You had a quarterback named Clifford. Yeah, Sam Clifford. I will say was pretty bad. I did not like Sam Clifford. You you didn't point proven. Hey, Sam Clifford. He was not the guy, but sometimes that's how that's how it is. Sometimes I mean, what can you say? I believe that 
had Sam Clifford not been there, that maybe they would have. The issue with Sam Clifford not was because he was bad. It was just he was very inconsistent. There were games where he would be terrible and he couldn't complete a pass to a lot. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But there were other games where he was just dialed in and looked like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like he was so up and down in the Rose Bowl this year. I know this is kind of a tangent, but in the Rose Bowl this year, he was just slinging it. I He passed for like 300 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, but we play Ohio State and he throws two picks on the first two drives and that essentially ends the game right there. Yeah, and for me, one of my identifiers for somebody being great is consistency because if you say, man, he's world-class on his day, then he's not world-class because you have to put that tangent on his day means that his day doesn't come around that often. So for me, a an indicator of somebody being truly good and world-class and great is consistency, and it just doesn't seem like he has it. Yeah, that's... I I will say, it's Sam Clifford, he he wasn't very consistent. When he was on, he was on, but when he wasn't, it was not a good day yeah. to be a Penn State fan. So that, that was an issue, but he's graduated. We're now moved on to Sam, Drew Aller, and I'm really excited for him because that is... Probably the closest thing in college football to Josh Allen that you're going to get. 6'5", 245, same height, weight as Josh Allen. So I'm really, he's got that country arm strength that he could just flick his wrist and fling the ball 80 yards. It's, I'm excited to see how he does. But now going back on to uh, the commanders, actually, real quick. For one, I did see where Jeff Bezos put in a bid, and he put this in a couple weeks ago from what I heard. And Dan Snyder was like, no, I don't want to say the team. You can... Yeah, you can I've, I've heard that report as well. I'm not entirely sure Schneider wants to sell the team, but if he puts in the highest bids, say $6.5 and, and that's more than the other bid, then I feel like he's going to take it. And it may come to a point where the league says, you either sell it or we're going to take it away from you. And if it reaches that crossroads, then Schneider's obviously just going to sell it and put the money up. And I think... That's what he should do if he wants to avoid this whole legal storm because if he doesn't sell this year, then I think the league or even the government could pursue further legal action with releasing that report. So I think this is not just my commander's fan talking. I think you should sell the team, take your money, go retire, just sail around the world with your yacht like you've been doing for the past six months. He already said that he will be making 10 times the amount of money that he sold it for. So yeah, it's not bought, like he's making... Yeah, he bought it from uh, Jack Kent, the Jack, Jack Kent kid for like maybe a hundred million around there. Yeah, it's, yeah. he will be making less than way million. more money. So yeah, he's getting at least six bill off of it. So he's definitely making his money back, that's for sure. But yeah, I also saw the report that they were moving out. So it sounds like he's kind of, he's coming out of the, he will be out very soon, which I'm sure not only you, but multiple other Commanders fans are excited about. You better find out. Uh, and then going on to the other NFL stuff. So first off, I think the biggest thing we should talk about is just Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has probably been the biggest discussion this offseason, aside from anything else. Obviously, you know, quarterback draft class is pretty big too, but Aaron Rodgers has come out, said he wants out of Green Bay. Gutekunst, the Packers GM, has come out said he wants Rodgers out of Green Bay, and there's really no movement though. That I think that's a little bit confusing. I've heard a lot of, you know, maybe it's one team thinks they have the leverage and they don't, or you know, there's just nothing going on. And I think Rodgers, I, I don't know if you alluded to it earlier, but Rodgers could just sit out and yeah, not do anything. Like I think that's the leverage that the Jets the Jets have is, you know, you're gonna be paying this guy fifty million dollars to sit on your bench. And yeah, he's not gonna he's, do anything. He's thirty nine years old, so you're not gonna get top top dollar from him. I still understand it's Aaron Rodgers, but the Jets I think it this plays in their favor because it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous for the Packers if they're asking a huge, huge price tag because again, he's thirty nine years old. Everyone knows he does not want to play this year, so 
I don't know if this part is actually stalled out or it's just they're trying to figure out an actual trade that works for both. I don't know, but it is kind of weird that we haven't seen any major reports. We've heard rumors here and there, but nothing, no, nothing major just yet. And also, I believe uh, the the Packers do have a bit of leverage on the Jets, in my opinion, because if the Packers don't trade them Rodgers, the Jets are just going to suck again. <laughs> There's nothing the Jets can do there. It's like, yeah, we can give you Rodgers and you'll be good, but if we don't, you're stuck with Zach Wilson. And what are you going to do? Well, it's not like the Packers are in that great of a spot anyway. Yes, we've seen some spots with Jordan Love, but he's still a big unknown. And everyone knows that Aaron Rodgers does not want to be in the Packers. So I think both teams in some circumstances could have leverage over the other, but I think in general, the Jets are in a more enviable position. I would agree with that. But yeah, Rodgers is, so Rodgers thing is sitting off very, sitting off to the side, very, very, uh, just kind of simmering altogether. Another thing is uh, Lamar came out and he's another leverage situation. Lamar has come out and said, I want to be traded from the Ravens. And he said that 25 days ago, that was on Tuesday. So coming up on about a month ago that he said, look, I want out of Baltimore now. This doesn't sound like it's a big deal because everyone knows Lamar wants to be traded. But now every NFL team who could have wanted to trade for him knows he doesn't want to be there. The Baltimore Baltimore Ravens don't want to sign him. Every other team now has leverage. The Ravens have run out of leverage because they know he does not want to be there. Yeah, and this is really interesting because this has implications of change in power and whatever division it goes to. Um, there's a bunch of different teams who's rumored to. The commanders were uh, rumored to him at some point, but our GM said something that I'm kind of mad at. Um, Martin Mayhew said that, oh, these rumors aren't true, and we trust in our quarterbacks for sticking with them, and it kind of makes me mad that we draw the line at Lamar Jackson, but we don't, but we didn't show any kind of the same feelings towards when we were signing Ryan Fitzpatrick or Carson Wentz. It just feels weird that, oh, we're not going to try and go for Lamar Jackson when we went for these other guys who didn't play well at all, but most of the teams are the Patriots, and did you see Asante Samuel said, uh, Lamar, you do not want to play with Bill Belichick. I didn't see that. I believe it was a Sunday Samuel, but um, a former Patriots player said, Lamar, you do not want to play with um, Bill Belichick. So I thought that was funny. And another team, I believe, is the Falcons. I think the Falcons should pursue him like heavily because yeah. he would fit. I think he'd fit in really well with the Falcons just because they have that heavy run game in their system already. So. You throw Lamar in there, like you saw them try to do it with Marcus Mariota yeah. last year, and it just didn't work. So I think you throw Lamar in there, an actual good quarterback all around. You know he's better at throwing and everything. I think that could actually work well for them. He would, I think he would look good in Atlanta, but obviously one in Washington. But I just don't think that's realistic because we'd have to restructure a bunch of different contracts. Um, I feel like we have some of the assets to do it, but I just don't think it will happen. Um. What do you think Lamar would fetch? Because I think it would be well. It's auto, It's automatically two firsts. Yeah, because he's been franchise tagged, and I think that's why Washington might not be pursuing it as much is because they automatically have to give up two firsts just to get the right to say, "Hey, do you want to take this money?" And then the Ravens can turn around and say, "Um, no, we'll give them that money that you just offered them. Thank you for making our job easier." And now they. Yes, they get their two first back, but now you're still sitting there without a quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why we like so many teams have kind of went away from that whole Lamar stuff. Like you haven't heard a lot of teams really come out and say, "Okay, we're interested in going for you." I just think that with them being the non-exclusive or whatever that was, yeah, um, I feel like has driven off a lot of potential suitors, and so I'm interested to see how this situation plays out. Will he sit out this year? Maybe. I think draft week will also play a big yeah. role. Uh, and then, uh, going off the of draft week, just one more thing to mention. I just want to get your quick input on the quarterbacks. Obviously, 
Yes, Washington is looking for a quarterback. Are they going to get one of these quarterbacks? No. Absolutely not, unless they make a trade to move up. But obviously the Eagles are coming up. But obviously this is a very quarterback-heavy draft class, uh, probably the biggest one and probably bigger than even two years ago with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. You got the four main ones that I just wanted to look at real quick, just get your opinion on. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. Isn't Anthony, Anthony Richardson the one that had the amazing combine? Yeah, six four. That one worries me because I feel like I don't remember the specific play, but a specific play thrown specifically for what the combine test and that amazing combine numbers and was drafted a few rounds above what he actually was worth. Anthony Richardson kind of worries me in that sense of like he could be another Marcus Russell just because a player that looks good on paper doesn't necessarily mean they play. Yeah. I can understand that, but from what I understand, I don't know college that much, but he says there's a trade off. He can throw the best touchdown pass you've ever seen, but then he could throw the worst one. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. another guy who's very inconsistent and makes very he struggles a little bit on the mental side. Now, thing that I think is very interesting. I everyone is saying consensus CJ Stroud's going number one overall. He's kind of the perfect in between between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. He's got better he's got the mental part that he's got better mentals than Anthony Richardson, but not as much as Bryce Young. But he's got the height that Bryce Young doesn't have that Anthony Richardson does. So he kind of falls right in the middle there that everyone wants. Everyone's saying C.J. Stroud is consensus number one. I think the Panthers could shock the world and still take Anthony Richardson number one overall. The only reason I think they might do that is because they see him as a future multiple play, not exactly a trained ready product. They may see it as, okay, we're going to sacrifice this first year or two because we feel that he has such great physical gifts that he could like work out in the long run, but it's still a trade-off because you've seen with quarterbacks like Carson Wentz, no matter how hard you train, it's really hard to get rid of decision-making and you cannot keep football out of you. Now, I will say, if there, another thing that I think could also benefit the Panthers in that is, or make them want to take him, is there is about... 70 years worth of NFL quarterback experience in there with him. They have Andy Dalton, Josh McCown as the QB coach, and Frank Reich as the head coach. So they got a lot of quarterback experience in the NFL in that room with him. So I think, like you said, he's a piece of multiple play, and maybe they take him. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he's a very – he's kind of, like I said, the best all-around quarterback, but – I think he has trouble running the ball. I've heard other people say he doesn't, but another thing that also scares me, and, you know, call me biased, call me what you will, I, Ohio State quarterbacks have not panned out. There has never been one good Ohio State quarterback. You cannot name one who's been good in the NFL. Uh, who is the – oh, okay. Yeah, I discussed Ty NFL there, but, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, who is uh, – it was something Jones. <laughs> it was something Jones for the defenders a couple of years ago. I don't remember, but yeah, if you look at the track record of Ohio State quarterbacks, they're not were, very great. Yeah, they were all great in college, but the only thing we got so far is Justin Fields, who still has something. Yeah, there's still a big question mark about him. So yeah, Rob Pryor, there's Wayne Haskins, there's Braxton Miller. None of these guys really. Two of those moved over to wide receiver. Yeah, that should tell you everything you need to know. So, if you don't believe us, just look up Ohio State quarterbacks, and you'll see. Okay, bust, 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 back up, back up, back up, bust. Yeah, exactly. So, he that scares me a little bit. I and he has issues running the ball, and from what I've seen, I don't know. He he is very good at extending plays. And then Bryce Young, I've heard is the closest thing you're going to get to Patrick Mahomes, not named Patrick Mahomes. He is such a study maniac. He's very big on film, 
studies the plays, studies the other teams. He's a very hard worker, but everything that's every everything that scares everyone off is his size. Five ten. Yeah. Um but that that um ability to really go into film is something a lot of teams really look for that one of the reasons why Peyton Manning was drafted above Ryan Leaf. Um, you, you can kind of look at it as Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson, not in terms of size, but Bryce Young is like Peyton Manning in terms of probably doesn't have some of the biggest physical gifts as Anthony Richardson, but he's probably going to be better now, and he's probably a more surefire thing because of his ability to study, but with Anthony Richardson, a.k.a. Ryan Leaf, they have rocket arms. They look like, okay, if you can get some of these at aspects really right, put everything right around him, he can be good, but there's still a huge if attached to him. Yeah, and my counter to everyone saying they're scared about Bryce Young's weight and height and everything is Drew Brees, Russell yeah. Wilson, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is not yet that, you know, not notable yet, but he's still been somewhat successful. Russell Wilson has is probably the biggest MVP snub in NFL history. Not because he hasn't won one, but because he's never even gotten an MVP vote in that's his entire career. Though. So yeah. I, I think that's where you're getting a snub on him. And then obviously, Drew Brees has passed for 5,000 yards twice. He's won MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's, he's gotten everything done that they ask an NFL quarterback to get done. So Drew Brees was a successful quarterback in the NFL at 5'10", and I think that Bryce Young could be a bit successful. And then the last one, and I'm interested to see if you know anything about him and what you know about him is Will Levis. Is, and there's, there's one line that makes me think just he's got some swagger to him and that could help him in the NFL where he said, I have a mother effing cannon. So yeah. Josh Rosen had that same kind of mouth and look what happened to him. I mean, I understand that could play, that, that could go well for him, but some of the questions about him is, coming out of a basketball school. He's coming out of Kentucky, so that's not the biggest football school, and I've seen pretty much in every one of the mock drafts I've seen. I've seen him go anywhere from in the top five all the way down to 15 and below that, so I think he's, I'm interested to see where he goes, and I think if any of the quarterbacks are to fall, it's going to be him. I, I would agree with that, but uh, he's He's the closest thing in this draft that you're going to get to Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, where it's just, he actually hurt himself. Uh, he had an incredible junior year, and he ended up staying for his senior year, and his senior year is what brought him down. He all, probably also would have gone top five last year, but the like you said, it's a basketball school. He had absolutely no weapons around him. He was getting killed every single play. He was in, he was in some rough shape. In Kentucky this year. Yeah. The only other like quarterback to come out of a basketball school in the NFL, I can think of is Daniel Jones because he came out of Duke. Yeah. And Daniel Jones is great. But he got a lot of money though. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is what they're looking for for the most part. Just to close it out, my final words on football right here don't be surprised if Jeffrey Simmons gets traded to the Eagles. The, the Titans want Jeffrey Simmons out. The GM wants the his team to be his team because he's new. Jeffrey Simmons is on the last year of his contract. This is prime real estate for Howie Roseman. I would not be surprised if the Eagles trade for Jeffrey Simmons. Now, nothing's out yet. There's no definite trade. No one's come out and said anything. But just saying. Loaded Eagles insider Tristan Kunis. Just saying, this is a very, very Howie Roseman thing to trade for Jeffrey Simmons. Make your bets, people. Uh, but finish it off. That's all I got for the NFL. Is there anything else that you have? I'm good. I'm happy. Which, you know, in a time of doom and gloom, what is now a bit of not it's. Half doom and gloom, half happy for me. Because recently, just starting it out for the Flyers, is they have found a way to score in the past 
two weeks. They had went on a streak of scoring more than two goals, which they couldn't buy more than two goals for the month and a half prior to that. But they went on a streak of seven, I believe, seven games where, oh, eight, eight games where they scored more than two goals, which, like I said, they couldn't buy a game where they scored more than two goals. And it has just been stepping up from the young guys. Tyson Forrester came up, who was a former first-round pick. He scored two or three goals up in the NHL. He got sent back down to the AHL for the Phantom playoff run. But he was scoring goals. He scored a nice one against the Wild to tie it up, take it into OT, and then into a shootout where they ended up winning. They went on a four-game winning streak. Yeah, they went on a four-game winning streak and a five-game point streak. Six-game point streak, actually. So, I mean, they were finding ways to win, put pucks in net, score. Young guys, Owen Tippett scored his first NHL career hat trick in there. He's he's such a powerful skater. I mean, his the way he skates is so nice, and I believe he's going to be a really good piece for the team in the future. And him and Morgan Frost, have been working together so well recently that those two are going to be a big piece of the future coming up. Konechny's come back, and in one of his first games back today, he scores a goal. So he's already coming back and making a difference in his after his injury. The Flyers, I don't know how they did it, but they come back and they started to find a way to score. Now, yes, it's a good thing because... Here, here's the way I look at it. Did I want the do I want the Flyers to win? Obviously, yes. But at the same time, do I want them to knock themselves out of the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard? Not exactly. So it this is where I say it's like 50-50 win loss because I want him to I want Connor Bedard to be a Flyer. I would love that. He brings so much more to the team, not only with his scoring and just the way he plays the game, but it would bring so many more fans and bring everyone back like to watch Philadelphia hockey, which would be huge for the team. Bring in more money for the team, help, you know, bring in top names. So bringing Connor Bedard in would be huge, but I don't know if that's... I, it's just looking less and less likely. I believe we're now at seventh worst in the NHL, where we were fifth. And I did just double-check. Travis Konechny has scored two goals in his two games back. So he has immediately started making a difference coming back. Uh, yeah, we are seventh worst in the NHL currently. And four points ahead of the Coyotes. So we're, we're kind of taking... And that's where I say I have the thing. Is I, want them to, I want them to win to look good, you know, get these young guys scoring, get them points, get them confidence in the NHL, but... It does take away from the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah, both of us really. It's not a, it's not my best move, but with Cats, it's kind of like if they were to win some of these last few games, we would be in hockey purgatory because we're out of the playoffs. I'm pretty sure all that contend at this point. We're sitting at 77 points. The Penguins and Islanders are at 86 and 86 points respectively. So it looks like. It's been one of the most getting the players for the first time in some like since '08, right? No, we missed one in like 2014, maybe, but other than that, it was like it was long before that. So that's pretty good numbers, but I kind of really expected at this point. I mean, since we're pretty much out of it, I want us to lose as many games as possible just to give us a better chance at a higher draft pick. I obviously want the guard, but I think it's still kind of unrealistic because the odds you know, be in our favor would be great. Yeah. But I'm just more looking at major changes in the offseason. Um, thankfully, it's looking like Robbie West not going to come back. His contract is up after this season, and I don't think there's any, like, there's not any talk going on. I don't think he wants to come back. I don't think we want him to come back, so that's good. So I think. We need to see a major retool happening. There was rumors about a possible Evgeny Kuznetsov trade request. I don't know if that's true. He said it isn't, but 
I would like him traded. I think that somebody you need traded because I just don't think he really fits with us anymore. Not a, it's not as bad as Mike, but I still think he's just too lackadaisical for me. Need younger, younger forwards, and we need to trade him now while I think his trade value is only going to go down from here. So, hey, I will say the Flyers winning the past couple of games going on that six, seven game point streak. They're still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Not from two, but yeah. The Caps are at 77 points, and the Flyers are at 71. I want the Caps to every last game, and I want, to, I, I want you guys to go on a little bit of winning streak. I want, and then I <laughs> I want to finish below you. That would be that unfortunate. Is, so the, the, way the, the way the Flyers' schedule works out, they could... Now, it's very unlikely unless they just start losing and then all these teams under them. Arizona's below them, four points below them. Montreal's five points below the Flyers. San Jose is 12 points below the Flyers, and then Columbus, San after San Jose, Columbus, and Anaheim, Chicago, those last four teams, they're not likely to catch up to them. But they could drop down into that bottom five, potentially bottom four, very unlikely though. Uh, and the way their schedule works out, their last two games are against Chicago and Columbus. Oh. So it it'll be it'll be for like the battle for Bedard. Yeah, and with the Caps, um, I think we're gonna lose a lot of these last games. The Habs, we might win, but we face the Panthers. We're probably gonna lose that. We face the Islanders. We're gonna lose that. We face the Bruins. We're most definitely gonna lose that. And we face the Devils. We're gonna lose that. So I want I do not want them to win another game. I just want them. I think they kind of need this. I think the GM and the team need to realize, okay, we need a major retool. And I think I think we're going to try and go the under coach route. It's rumored that Jeff Halpern could be in the running. And I think it would be kind of poetic for the last few years of Obi's career. Um, his first captain he played with will be his last coach. I think that will be very poetic. Um, he's a young coach, so it should be interesting to see that we... It'll be the first young coach we've had in a while, so that should be interesting, but I'm just excited to get a new coach, and if it's not Halpern, I would like to see Bruce Boudreaux back, because he's worked with young players before. He brought this Caps team up when we were still a bunch of young kids, so we found a, a mojo under him, so I think that would be another cool candidate to have. Do you believe in the President's Trophy's purse? I'm a Caps fan. Of course I do. Bruins have already clinched the President's Trophy. They can break the NHL record for most game wins in a season. Yeah, the, I believe the Red Wings hold it with like the it's Chiefs. Red Wings and the no Red Wings and the Lightning are tied for the most wins in a single season with sixty-two. Oh, 62. And about a hundred and thirty points, hundred and thirty-five points. Yeah, but with the uh, President's Trophy pick, the Caps have won three President's Trophies. I believe we lost. In the first round against the Habs, and then we lost in the second round in 2015, 2017. I look at the most points in a single season in the NHL, and I get, or not in the NHL, in with the Denver Broncos. Uh, the most points in a season is 132 with the Canadians, uh, 68, 68 and 12 record, and the but the lightning and the maybe it was yeah the red wings ha, are tied for most wins in a single season with 62 so a little bit of a difference there but uh the bruins are on track to break both of those they have five games to get seven uh eight points to break the record seven to tie it and three wins to yeah, get the record. That would be that'd be insane because I honestly didn't expect the Bruins to be this good this year. I honestly thought they'd take a step back. Yeah, I think, I think everyone most did. most people thought that, but nobody expected them to come out of little nowhere and have this historically great season. They're nine and one in the last ten. Um, they have seventeen total losses. That is, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. I you. I wouldn't be surprised if they get bounced in the first round. I would laugh so hard, and I really want to see that because 
other than Philly, I think Boston fans are the funniest to see mad. And I, I don't Thanks. Know, I want to see them lose. Um, cause I remember we, the Caps kind of did this back after the uh, Bruins won their cup against the Canals, so we eliminated them in the first round with the game winning goal against Bill Ward. They got so mad, and it was hilarious to see. I uh, so right now Boston would be playing Pittsburgh, which they could definitely lose. Yeah, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's is a, a battle tested team. To me, the first round matchup that I'm really looking forward to is Maple Leafs and Lightning. If it stays. Yeah, if it stays, but that I think would be an, an incredible matchup. And I would love for somehow, some way, for Florida and Buffalo to move up into those two wild card spots. I do too, because I like the Sabres. I, I would rock a Sabres jersey. I've never really had a problem. Are the Sabres your Lions? Yeah, because I think they have the best jersey in NHL history. Well, one of them, at least. I was going to say, over the Sharks? I don't even think about the Sharks. For me, it's between the Kachina and the uh, Goathead. The red and black gold Goathead. Yeah, that, that is that is good too. But uh, the shark, like the Sharks logo in jerseys are like deemed as some of the greatest of all time. Mostly because it was his first try. Yeah. Like the creator's first try. So it was just the fact that he did it so well. But yeah, I, well, I also would love to, I do want to see Buffalo. Like Buffalo is like the lions i mean it's like they have they occasionally have good teams and should win and they just can't they got screwed out of the stanley cup with that stupid putting the crease rule and yeah. it wasn't a crease even though that rule is kind of dumb but under the ruling it yeah uh dominic hashik for me is probably the best goal in nhl history yeah and it's him and uh Honestly, I think Vassy's starting to put up an argument. If he continues in this form, I can definitely see him up there. But going back to the NHL, what's interesting, uh, the most interesting is not the East, but the West, and because it's so wide open. Everything's like, so close. Yeah, there isn't one specific team you can point to as saying, okay, I think they're a lock to come out of the West, because all of them, like, they're pretty close to each other, and you just... It's, it's, it's really weird. It, and if you look in the Pacific Division, the Golden Knights are at 101 points, or the Oilers at 99 points, the Kings at 98 points, and the Kraken at 90 points, which I did not expect. But and I didn't, I didn't expect the Kings to be at 98 points. I, I think in the West, I think I'd be pulling for the Kings. Which yeah, I'd be I, pulling for the Kings and the Jets. It'd be kind of ironic because... The reason that I've always had like a little bit of a soft spot for the Kings was Jonathan Quick, I and he's now Jonathan now Quick. he's a Golden Knight, so I it's not that. even. So it's like I want to see Jonathan Quick win, but also, I like you said, like Vegas has been so spoiled. I don't want them to. I'm so glad we beat them, and yeah, I would be fine with it if the Jets came out of the West. I think that'd be cool to see. Um, I'd like. It'd be cool to see if the Oilers can make it just to see what Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl would do in the Stanley Cup final. And because that Make-A-Wish kid from the uh, playoff run last year recently passed away, and I think that would that'd be incredible if they made it to a cup. I think if Edmonton had a chance, like now, in the next couple of years would be their chance because yeah. they actually have a decent goalie in Stu Skinner now. And they have, like, some of their depth guys are performing. So I think now the best time for them. Yeah, I mean, they got Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, Evander Kane, Zach Hyman. Like, they have a solid top four forwards for them. Uh, real quick, just to go back to the Flyers real quick, uh, I wanted to talk about, so, like we mentioned in the last one, Danny Briere has been promoted to the interim GM. I believe he's going to be hired as the full-time GM. Once the time, once the season ends, uh, and with the firing of Chuck Fletcher and Danny Breer came out, and this is something that I I like to hear him say, but at the same time, it I feel like no matter how it's said, this would make you scared in the fact that he goes, "We're gonna take the time with this rebuild," which I mean, he's he's not wrong. You can't rush a rebuild. You can't like yeah. make everything go so quickly. From another guy that I listen to, that he always says, he says, you can't microwave it. You can't microwave a rebuild. So he's got a good point there, but at the same time, it's like the way these players have been playing recently, it looks like they're maybe 
one or two superstars away from being able to actually be in the playoffs again. Yeah, but there's been teams who have thought that and say, okay, I'm going to go for this, this, and this, and it doesn't work out. But you have to, like, going slow in a rebuild is the Philly way. If Look at the 76ers, even though they've kind of messed that up in the past few years, but the whole the whole trust the process thing, they, they changed one of the worst teams in the league into one of the best. They... Why Leonard was made that insane shot. They were very close to making it. Yeah, they should have been in the finals, finals that year. Well, that was the only time they that had I had a true chance. That was the only time that I had watched an NBA game up to that point. I was like, I was sitting at home. I'm like, eh, I got nothing better to do. Let's watch a game seven of the yeah, conference they were, finals. They were very close, but also if you look at the Eagles, they've kind we're of spoiled. Yeah, but they like. They've had best case scenarios in terms of rebuild. If you look at what happened after you won the Super Bowl, your team started to fall, and then you kind of quickly picked it back up in the span of like three two years. years. Yeah, two or so three they, years. So that's that's why I said because I would say like the Eagles are football is the sport that I know the most about. Yeah. So it's the sport that I pay the most attention to, the sport that I understand the most, and so it's easier for me to look at football and understand what's happening and. In the NFL, once so once the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I believe the next year they battled back. They were they battled back and made the wild card because they didn't win the division. Battled back, made the wild card with Nick Foles in the final four games. Uh, I remember. I believe they beat the Texans. I believe they beat the Texans to finally clinch a playoff spot, and that was the year that they lost with the Alshon Jeffrey drop straight into Marshawn Lattimore's hands. And then, but wasn't that also the double doink year? Yes, that was the double doink year. Yeah, so you had the right side of the luck, but then the next game, you yeah, off the Which, side. It, of the it was just so sad because it was like Alshon had been so sure-handed like his entire career, and it was just so it was just it was such a weird thing. Like he never would drop a pass, and, and it was he just came to Philadelphia, corner. and he couldn't catch a pass. Well, no, because he was good in Philly. Like he was. He was good up until the following season after yeah. he dropped that pass. Like that, that drop was his downfall because he was good in Philly for a while. Uh, and so they did that. And then the next season was when they went 4 11 and 1. They were awful. And everyone was like, yo, what's going on? Fire everybody. Like burn the entire city down, <laughs> essentially. And uh, this is where I say we're spoiled because, like I said, that's the, that's the thing I understand the most. Howie Roseman turned the team around. We went nine and eight the next season, barely made the playoffs, got absolutely whooped by Tampa. It's only because I predicted that they would win that year. Yeah, probably. That's the single and reason then, why they got whooped. And then this past season, obviously, Makes they go to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it's we're, if you watch all Philly sports, you're spoiled as an Eagles fan, and you're just expecting every Philly team to be able to just and you're in like it's that's how you're expecting it so it, it's it's a little rough for me like looking at the flyers and being like yeah this is taking a while and i mean when i started paying attention to the phillies like really really paying attention to the phillies again they it was i believe two years it was right as they got bryce harper yeah. so obviously they were on the come up they had just gotten bryce harper they started getting good again so they've been good and i've always i've like I've looked at the 76ers. I've never watched the 76ers hard, but I mean, the 76ers, like you said, the whole trust the process. So it's, it, I've been very spoiled in the fact that it's like my teams have been good, like when I start watching. Yeah. So it's it's very hard to look at. And but hockey, I feel like rebuilds take a little longer because if you think about it, when you're drafting these guys, a lot of the times you're drafting they're 16 and 17. You're drafting teenagers and they have to go through the whole AHL levels. They have to truly progress. You can't really. You can't really rush a rebuild. If you do, then you're going to mess things up. So I feel like understand that, you, like understand what Briere is saying that, and that we're not going to rush this. But you can't just you can't just have blind faith in it year after year after year. At some point, you're going to have to see visible results. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he's he's already come out. I I believe Briere will be the will be a decent fit. I'm excited to see what he. He will do. Uh, and then finally, lastly, just uh, it has been confirmed that Sean Couturier will not be playing the season. 
that was questionable if he was going to come back just to at least get him some games back in the NHL, but he will now be going on two years without playing a single game in the NHL. Uh, but is that everything you have for hockey as we close in on the playoffs? Uh, and so it's been so long that we've talked that we've now gone and passed opening day in the MLB. We had been talking about spring training, how it was coming up. World Baseball Classic, unfortunately, USA lost to Japan in yeah, the World Baseball Classic. If we're going to lose to anybody, I mean, I'm okay with losing and to them. That was such a cool thing to watch, especially with that last attack. I was going to say, it was, the perfect, it was the perfect situation. Those are the moments you dream of in baseball where you don't really get Otani against Trout, two outs, three yeah. two count, and he just throws a nasty slider to strike him out. Like it was just the it, it that is a Disney baseball movie right there. Yeah, that'd be like if in the primes you saw the last out, Randy Johnson versus Ken Griffey Jr. That's the direct comparison I can say where it's the best undoubtedly the best pitcher versus the best batter and you just you just don't see things like that. Yeah, so that was unfortunately they did lose, but uh Enwin Diaz is out for the rest of the season now with that. Yeah, and Mets fans they're complaining saying this is bad. I, I things could be a lot worse, okay? Just look towards the division, I understand it's bad, but you still have a decent team. You have the Detroit Tigers two thousand twelve rotation kind of redone the 10 years later in Verlander and Scherzer so that, those guys have proven they still have some legs underneath them and with the whole pitch clock I think Scherzer really likes that because oh he messes with people so much he, Scherzer is still fun to watch so that should be interesting but going on into the Nats um, things have started as you've expected Patrick Corbin is in mid-season form I, I was watching this game Three innings, seven hits, and two earned runs. He had 80 pitches at the end of the third inning. So, yeah, I'm, I don't expect us to be good, but I'll, the only thing I'm really looking for this year is improvement in our young guys. We saw Josiah Gray get hammered his first outing, which hurts, but today we actually got a win against the Braves, and Mackenzie Gore actually pitched pretty good, five in the third innings with only three hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts. So, that's good to see that there's improvement with them. And other than that, I'm just looking for improvement from our young guys. Cuba Ruiz has gotten off to a pretty decent start. So, yeah, that's all really going to be expecting out of this season in I, terms of the Nationals. I was going back to the uh, the meme that I sent you where it said, uh, Patrick Corbin getting knocked around and taken out after three innings. Baseball is officially back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I heard some people saying, oh, Corbin, he did look good in spring training. He's going to have a bounce back year. First game, no. Well, okay, if it's any consolation, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, neither of them looked like they were back in their first games. Yeah, and Reese Hoskins is out for the year. And, but, Which, and Derek Hall is taking in his... Yeah, uh, that is a silver lining, I guess, because you can see what you have with him in it. I mean, there's worse replacements to have. At least you don't have to pick somebody up from the waivers market. You have a relatively young guy in your system. So. Uh, yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see what he does because he does have the power. It's going to be getting him to be able to have the, the same consistency that Reese has. Reese, ha Reese started with the power and the home runs, but over the past couple of seasons, he has been so good at consistently getting extra base hits and just getting on base and being a good all-around power hitter, not just home runs. And isn't his contract up at the end of the season? Yeah, so it's, that, it's likely that he's yeah, done being a Philly. Yeah, he could be leaving, so you're really going to be hoping for Derek Hall to show Step some up. potential. Uh, but, I mean, it's, like I said, Aaron Nola. So, Aaron Nola actually starts his sixth straight opening day which makes him the most in Philly's history for most can most consecutive opening days. So he passes Steve Carlton, which I think was pretty cool because I was hoping last year that he would that he would get it this year so that he could get that record. Uh and with that they also said they were going to pause negotiations because he's also on a contract year. So they're pausing him during the season 
and hopefully they bring him back at the end of the season. But uh, that that game, the first game, I don't know what happened. Like they were up five to nothing, yeah. and they they were just smoking Degrom. And they gave up a nine run fourth. Yeah, they gave up that. That was the big the big downfall was because Aaron Nola was again lights out, didn't give up a hit until yeah. the fourth inning, and once the fourth inning came, it it looked like. It looked like they had only played a couple innings in spring training altogether. Like yeah. they started out hot and then they just completely fell apart. Like, and then in the second game, they also fell apart. I believe the finals three, yeah, sixteen to three. Like their offense was just non-existent again today. Their offense was non-existent. They lost two to one. I mean, it's it's still very early. Baseball is a very long sport. Yeah. And I've talked to multiple people and they say, it's not about how good your team is. It's about when you get hot. I mean, the Braves, yeah. when they won their world series, they got hot at the right time last year, last year when the uh, Philly, like the Phillies got hot at the right time yeah, to go all the way to the world series. Like, at, like mediocrity where the, Phillies <laughs> the entire sat, season you got hot at the end of the season, but they were 22 and 29 when they fired Joe Girardi. Yeah. And everybody thought that, okay, they're going to be horrible this season. The Marlins are going to be better than them, but then they made it to a World Series. But And one thing that kind of shocked me about the Phillies in this series, the thing that we were heralding most as being improved is the bullpen. And the Rangers knocked. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they faced every single bullpen arm. I think, the Phillies, I think the Phillies' bullpen is just cursed. It's like... You have it's, just, it's just where all these bullpen arms come to die. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where they come to end their careers. We never like we can have the best bullpen arms and they won't do anything. Yeah, guys like David Robinson, like their careers kind of fell off when they got to the Phillies. It's it's all like it's it's a mess. And it's it's actually funny you mentioned David Robertson because Edwin Diaz, the way he got injured was celebrating so it was david robertson's last year <laughs> he he like strained his calf celebrating one of bryce harper's home runs yeah and then i don't know if you know this but gus Farratt, who was a washington redskins quarterback in the 90s he strained his neck he headbutted a wall while celebrating a touchdown and it is the funniest clip my dad was telling a story about when he was watching he's like what on earth is he doing he headbutted the wall like in the end zone, and he turned around, and you could see his eyes were wide open. He strained his neck, headbutting a wall, celebrating a touchdown. I always remember the linebacker from the Lions back in like 2010 who got a sack and stood up and did one of those like soccer celebrations where he jumps and throws his arms he down, he tore his ACL and fell down on the ground. I always remember that. That's why it's like, you gotta yeah. be careful when you're celebrating. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened. Like I said, it's a long season. There's still a lot to be done here. And we still have Bryce Harper coming back to look forward to. So, well, yes, that's... I'm not too... As no one should be early in the season. I'm not worried about it. Although, getting slapped around by the Rangers, swept in the first series of the season, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, and you're not... And your next series isn't any easier. You're facing a Yankees team who has played pretty good against they won two out of three against the giants and they're starting to hit a lot of yeah they're starting to hit a lot of home runs john carl stand today i'm pretty sure hit a 460 foot home run that is utterly ridiculous so we have we I'm have such a weird opening schedule yeah, that's you're facing two american league teams it's strange the nats we're facing the rays next which is a little strange and then after that the rockies and then we have the Reds. Like it's very, it's a very weird opening. Yeah, we get the Angels and the Guardians. We don't play a division matchup until the end of April. I don't even know or when the April Phillies. 25th. I don't even yeah, know when the, the Phillies play a divisional matchup. They, uh, but yeah, it's very weird. Oh, that's uh, it's a very weird start of the season for the Phillies. Yeah, but... we started against a divisional rival, but then we don't like face one until the end of the month. I wanted to look at, I did want to look at Bryce Harper's or Zach Wheeler's numbers from yesterday because, like I said, Aaron Nola was pitching really well until about the fourth inning. Until he wasn't. Well, that's usually how it works. But uh, I wanted to see how Wheeler played because Wheeler got this, smoked. This was the same thing: four point one innings, seven hits, five runs, four earned runs. But he had seven strikeouts. So. 
What's he? He? Oh no. I want to see. He uh, had a rough first inning, and then it like he had a great second, but then it started to kind of fall from there. Yeah, and then the fifth is when they finally pulled him. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, last season there was a lot of times where a uh, Wheeler it. It seems like Wheeler a lot takes a little bit to get warmed up in an actual game and facing other players. Like, because I feel like last season a lot, he started out the game a little bit, a little bit cold and didn't look like he was fully in tune until, you know, he maybe faced like two, maybe three batters. And then he starts really locking in and just taking everyone apart. So uh, it didn't look like that until the end of the oh we put in josh harrison to pitch yesterday the the second baseman yeah because it was 16 to 3 there was no point in wasting our arms but uh yeah it, it does seem like it takes him a little bit to kind of get into it so uh but that is opening day weekend phillies start out zero and three so hey Look at it like this. Nationals aren't the worst team in the division. Let's go. That's probably going to last for about a week. If that. Yep. <laughs> Maybe two days. Uh, so that's really locks up, ends off this episode for this week. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, Close it off. All right. So with that, we are going to end off for this week. Uh, it is, this is just an audio only one because we are trying something out different gonna try to switch it up a bit uh see how this sounds instead of what we used to do so uh but we are gonna keep on trying to go back to it weekly and hopefully we have this new setup all set up so with that we're gonna end it off for this week and we will see you guys next week see you later